0: everybody and welcome to another exciting edition of words images and worlds delighted on this episode to be talking uh it seems like we were just talking like moments ago um That's weird uh, i know i know uh talking with author rachel bateman rachel thank you for jumping in thank you for joining me
1: absolutely thank you for having me and inviting me on the show
0: absolutely we'll we'll dispense with the prolegomena about how many of the the guests do comics and things like that i i want to get right to make the fireflies dance oh i should have one two three Ah, there it is
1: (laughs) our timing was off but we've got it
0: that's right um so delighted to share about this book and uh love the the weaving together of several things that are at work here um one of those being the the family story the family dynamic that uh supports part of the narrative the story of a character who is sort of this aspiring filmmaker love film and uh, i'm not always a romance reader but the the romance angle worked well in the book and all of those things came together really nicely so thank you um, yeah absolutely absolutely um so we we could talk more about the book in a short while but I typically like to ask, and again, I think it's the the English teacher in me that is always curious. What's led you to this world of creating, and what connects you to the written word?
1: Um, without trying to take up too much time, because I tend to be wordy. Um, like a lot of authors, I wrote when I was a kid. Like my first book was basically fan fiction of the 1988 version of the Blob. Um, I watched it when I was way too young. I was like seven and I wrote my own (laughs) fanfic, like walking around my backyard. Um, But then as I got older, I was super into the sciences. My high school years and my college years were all about science. Um, And then I I went to massage therapy school and right at the end, right before I started my career, I destroyed my shoulder and had to have it reconstructed. Uh. And when I was doped up on all the medication all the drugs afterwards i couldn't sleep so i took my sister's computer because i didn't have one and just started writing um and it was terrible because i was on so many drugs and but it reminded me how much i loved it Mm -hmm. and it just kind of snowballed from there and and pretty soon i was writing my own books
0: i love it i love uh, a rust to roses um, ashes to light, sort of story of something that could have been a major setback, that but that has led you on this path. Love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And i I, I love the path I'm on. So, um, while I didn't like doing the surgery, and I really didn't like paying for the surgery, I'm glad it happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and now you have a book, a couple of books, right, mm-hmm. that are yep. out into the world um, that have been part of this. So, trusting the mystery and going with the yes. journey. Um, exactly so so what is it like i i hesitate to pigeonhole books and say it's a young adult book it's a middle grade book it's a this book it's a that book because i know so many adults who read widely mm-hmm. i know young people who read well beyond when publishers sort of say you're supposed to read this book so so what's it like to craft for i'll say a broad audience
1: um so i was that young adult who never read young adult um partly because the category hadn't exploded the, the way it did yet there were very few there but i went from like chapter books to stephen king like that was my trajectory um and then it was also shortly after that surgery my sister got me some books she worked at a bookstore and brought them for me and a couple of them were young adult novels and i was just like this is amazing like the freshness and the newness and even in really gritty stories the optimism that you can still have when uh-huh. you have The whole world in front of you is really exciting um i so i just really love that space uh where everything can be new and exciting and you're experiencing so many firsts in life still Mm -hmm. Um, so i just kind of fell in love with that that world
0: yeah the the review on the cover says a wonderful feel-good novel of delirious first kisses um so when you mentioned the the first uh that just made me think of that immediately yeah
1: a lot a lot of first kisses in this one weirdly
0: (laughs) (laughs) it works it works um yeah so i've said a little bit about the book and as i mentioned i'm not i'm not a spoiler kind of person I, i don't share too much about books um but anything as far as the the way the book has come together that you'd like to share about and then i also wanted to ask you about the dedication if it's okay to to talk about that Um, absolutely yeah because I'm I'm always curious um, about it says the back road best back roads companion I could have asked for while plotting this book even if you did sleep the entire time I love you rooster so I'm guessing you have a pet rooster is what I'm guessing.
1: <laughs> I, I do. I actually have several roosters. This one, however, is my six-year-old son. Oh, um, love it, love it. <laughs> we had we called him Rooster since he was born. Um, for no real reason. Uh I did learn when he was five when he said something that he didn't know his real middle name because he legitimately thought it was Rooster. So <laughs> we had to correct that. Um, but just to give the kind of the background of where this came from, um, and it also kind of encompasses an explanation of how it ended without telling you how it ends. No spoilers. <laughs> um, I write when someone else's summer came out, which was my book before this, um, mm-hmm. I had Holden, my six-year-old, three months before it came out. Um, and that is Rooster. And I was pregnant with him while I was doing edits on that book. And it was really hard. And I couldn't create anything new that whole time. And I talked to some other author friends of mine who are also mothers. And they said, this is totally normal. Like I couldn't write when I was pregnant either because I wasn't trying to write when I was pregnant with my first. So I'd never experienced that. And they said, you know, when you have him, it'll be fine. It'll come back. So I was like, okay, I can ride this out. And then he was born and it didn't come back and it didn't come back. And it didn't come back for like two and a half years. I just struggled starting. And uh, I mean, I'm a writing coach. Like <laughs> and and like my whole shtick isn't like coaching the the craft, but coaching people with imposter syndrome and getting out of their own way. And here I was like, it was years and I just I couldn't get through that block. And then um one day, shortly after he turned two, I was driving to pick up my other kid at school. And for some reason I started thinking about this short story I read like 15 years ago when I was in college, called The Kiss by Anton Chekhov. Mm-hmm. And and make the fireflies dance is a modern reimagining of the kiss. And the reason I I was thinking about it is because I read it 15 years previous and the ending made me so mad and so dissatisfied that I was like, I need to tell this differently but I need to honor what actually happened in that story too. And I know some people are unhappy about a certain aspect of the ending of make the fireflies dance. Um, And that is what I kept true to the kiss. Um, But I tried to have a more fulfilling journey for the main character than I felt like I got in that story. And, and I recognize how arrogant it sounds to be like, I'm going to do better than Anton Chekhov, but, But I had a lot more room. This was a short story. Mm -hmm. I had 80,000 words. I had a lot more room. Mm -hmm. So so that's how it happened. Um, As far as the dedication, when I am figuring out a book, I just drive the back roads. I live in the middle of Montana. There's a lot of back roads, a lot of places to go. And um, about the time he started to want to stop napping, and I was like, you can't make it to the end of the day without a nap, but you won't do it i would put him in the car every day and drive because he would sleep in the car and so we put miles and miles and miles on driving these back roads while i had like a voice recorder and i would talk into it to tell myself this story and he would just sleep um so he i like to tell him he both broke me and fixed me when it came to writing like i i lost it when he showed up but he helped me bring it back because this book really brought it back so
0: there are so many things about that story that I love. For one thing, it's a very unique process um, kind of story because I've not talked with anyone on on the show, and I've been, almost 300 of these i think at this point like 280 something um you've really not had
1: been going with this that's awesome you
0: know i try i try Uh, i don't have like a middle setting Uh, i'm either all in or not um i feel that (laughs) (laughs) um but i've not had anyone talk about sort of the the back roads going out driving and thinking experience and, and tape recording and talking through that um so that is fascinating I I also love what you said there about reimagining Chekhov because I love it when authors do that. I, I had a middle school student ask me recently, "How do you write something that's completely new?" And you I don't
1: I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you never do.
0: Yeah, I, my response was, "Well, you you think of something, you read, you start with characters, but um, you can also." take stories in new directions, or uh, as you're saying there with Chekhov, taking it in a fuller direction uh, and exploring it further. And, and even in if you and I were to write a book about our day, um, I don't know that anyone would look at it and go, well, no one's ever thought of that before. Really? You took your dog to the vet? Wow. Um, but, you know, that that's part of what's meaningful to us. Um, so I actually really appreciate the the idea of visiting an author like Chekhov, and not necessarily saying I can do it better, although right, <laughs> you know, you you could debate that, um, you know, but but saying, hey, here's this inspiration that I've now taken in a new direction. Um, was it enriching for you as a writing coach to go through that experience?
1: Absolutely. I um I actually used to coach much more on the craft. Mm -hmm. and after going through that i realized you like people learn craft they learn it in middle school they learn it in high school they learn it in their entry-level college course that they have to take to get any major and there's a million resources online if you don't know where your comma goes or Mm -hmm. if you don't but when i i found that most writers who thought they were having a craft issue. They don't know how to do this. They don't know how to structure chapters and stuff so they could have 70,000 words. Mm-hmm. The issue was never actually with the craft. It was with whatever narrative they had in their head that was putting up a roadblock and keeping them scared, even if they didn't realize that was fear. Um, and that really helped me recognize that, that the mindset and the confidence and working through that is so much more important to figuring out how to write a book than any kind of craft on writing a book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love
0: that. Love that. And the the human experience of writing, it's uh part of why I enjoy being a reader and hopefully part of the joy of writing as well. Yeah.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so what is it that you hope readers take away? I know there's not one thing, um, uh, but if you were to say Gosh, I I hope readers notice this or think about this. Um, What Um, might that be?
1: You know, it's funny. It's the same for every book I write. And it took me until I wrote and published three novels and have written multiple screenplays to realize I do this. Um, I have an underlying theme in everything. And that is that grief and joy can coexist in the same space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You can have such lightness and joy even when there's something very hard going on and sometimes it's not lightness and joy sometimes that grief takes over that hard part takes over but that's not permanent and so like the coexistence of those I've found that that kind of threads through all of my writing even if I don't try for it Um, it was intentional in this book and that's what kind of woke me up to the fact that I'm always doing it anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
0: Love that. Yeah, I love that. And going back again to what we've said about literature, if you want the the grieving side of grieving, um, I mean, we've got Goethe. There's always Goethe. you can check that out. But uh the the layers and the nuances that you bring and and to explore that with young characters who are, as you said, experiencing so many things for the first time, I think uh adds that much more power to that question too.
1: It was, it was very interesting to do. Um, You know, I, I wrote the book having never lost a parent and here's this main character who's dealing with that as a teenager, who's getting ready to finish high school and embark on her, her life. But in between when I wrote it and when I finished edits, my stepdad died Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm much older, I'm more, you know, it's a different situation, but it's like, I could edit it from that lens of, of, okay, I've lost a parent now. And I I know some of these things and what would that have been and that that helped with figuring out that nuance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so I have one more official question and then we can talk about anything that we've missed. And that is the the part of the episode where you get to talk about where to find the book, where to find you online. Um events works in progress all of those sort of things that are sort of the next steps uh segment of the episode
1: okay so i am recently really embracing the fact that i'm just like unapologetically multi-passionate so <laughs> anytime <laughs> someone asks me this i'm like okay are you ready because i'm gonna say a lot right now um... i love it
0: i love it i love range i love hearing about all kinds of stories so nice. yes as for ready.
1: finding the book um it is available basically anywhere books are sold if it's not in the store they can order it but you know the the big ones amazon barnes and noble books a million all those um as where you can find me my website is rachelbateman.com i keep it nice and easy and i'm on instagram at rachelbateman books i'm technically on other social media but i try not to actually be on it because then i wouldn't write um so instagram (laughs) is kind of my thing um as far as what's coming next, okay. <laughs> I do I do have another young adult book that is with my agent currently um, preparing to send on to my publisher in hopes that they want it. Um, really? That's something a lot of people don't know about writing. It's like even once you're established, I have two books under my belt with this publisher, but that's not a guarantee. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, but it's, it's one that's very dear to my heart. So if they don't want it, I... Will shop it around elsewhere and potentially self publish it because I just love it. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But beyond that, I am branching into like adult women's fiction. Um, So, kind of the same vibe of what I write in young adult, just with older characters Mm -hmm. um, and trying to let those older characters still have adventures uh, because I didn't write it for a long time. Because every time I tried to write like a middle aged woman, I'm like, man, our lives are boring. And then I was like, maybe, maybe if my life, if I had more excitement in my life, it'd be easier. So I I forced myself to like say yes to things and try new things. And that's, I'm branching into that space. Um, and then the final, kind of not actually the final, but the final that I will talk about here, um, <laughs> the final new thing that I'm doing, I'm really, really excited about um, is I am actually right now um, preparing and recording to launch my own podcast. Love it.
0: Love it. Uh, you yeah, already have the headset. The headset is. Key. I do, <laughs> I
1: do, I do. I actually, I actually have like a standalone mic on the way too. Because this, I actually stole this from my twelve-year-old. I love it. My dad gave him like a super nice headset for Christmas. I'm like, but I, I need to use that sometimes. <laughs> um, oh
0: yeah, oh yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be, um, a podcast. Basically, what I do in my coaching, a way to reach more people because I can only directly coach so many people um but that whole getting out of your own way tackling imposter syndrome and and really rewriting the myths that you've embraced like as a writer because there are so many myths around writing like you have to write every single day like so many people teach that like that's the gospel truth and it's not (laughs) like if it works for you, great, but if it doesn't, there's so I know so many people who quit because they're like, well, I can't do what they say to do and it doesn't work for me and so they just quit. So oh. it's really about rewriting those stories so you can do the best work you can. Um, and then also because I am multi-passionate about, about balancing that, it's really geared toward other writers who are like, I write, but I have all these other things and I want to do them, but they take time away from my writing, like like finding a way to exist in a world that really, really focuses on being a specialist in whatever you do instead uh-huh. of doing multiple things. So I figure out how to hone that pitch for a podcast in so it doesn't take two full minutes.
0: <laughs> I love it. Love it though. Love it. Uh, Yeah. Writing, writing across the modes, writing across the methods. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll think on that though. Um, yeah, yeah. Do that
1: because the name is something I'm still going back and forth on so <laughs> i don't have it set
0: yeah yeah well always glad to talk podcasting things um, excellent yeah yeah uh, that's very exciting and you said you'd also done film and screenplays as well uh, yes
1: i i i have written several i actually wrote screenplays really really bad screenplays like embarrassingly bad before i ever wrote novels um and then when i started writing novels and i struggled so hard <laughs> for so long to structure a novel so it didn't get boring (laughs) to keep it going and it took an embarrassing amount of time to be like what if I approach this the way I would approach screenwriting and so I did and that's when it finally like clicked for me Um, and it's just been in the last couple years I decided you know what I'm going to go back to that and write screenplays again so I've written a slasher that I am just madly in love with um, and actually last November for Rymo, I wrote the novel version of that slasher Oh, love um, that. which it, actually I sent I sent the screenplay to a contact and I copied my agent on it because she likes to be in the know and she just replied with I'd like to see how this uh looks as a novel and i was like done that's all the encouragement I need done <laughs> so, so I did it but the reality is is like it's so off-brand from where I already am like that won't <laughs> stop me from doing anything with it but it's like we need to think about how we're going to to approach this because, um, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's very different. Um, but yeah, I just, I have, I have a ton of fun with it. I, I, I always tell people I I write romance and horror, like people are either kissing or dying. Like that's, that's what I've got.
0: I love it. I love it. Very, very extreme, but also very relatable emotions. Um, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, and I've heard so many people come on and talk about, well, I want to do this or I've done this. But I have this particular brand or this sort of, uh, or people have published and they're going, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I'm going, I love to see people uh, explore range. And, you know, um, yeah, shout out to- That's the
1: thing. It's really really easy to let what you've already written pigeonhole you into what you're going to write mm -hmm. Um, because you do have an established brand and it's easier to find your readers if you stay within that brand. And like, I get all that strategically- but it's really hard to just i'm trying to figure out how to word this you don't i people like me <laughs> i'm not saying everyone's like this don't want to do that always mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i want to explore other things so it's just a matter of like okay we can do this let's just figure out the best way to do this so it's not just like throwing spaghetti at a wall right um, but you were gonna give a shout-out to someone and then I totally talked right over you.
0: So. Oh no, no, you're <laughs> good. You're good. Um I was just gonna say Stephen King and the Bachman books. Oh, you know, that's yes. like classic. Yeah. Like expanding range right there. And, and then as he wanna... got
1: so popular, he could just do Stephen King and it doesn't matter if he's writing hard horror or fantasy or like joyland was this like wonderful coming of age with a little bit of ghostly stuff in the background but Mm -hmm. mostly it was coming of age like he can write all over the place um i really love uh because you see this in the indie world a lot because i'm hybrid my first book was self-published um Mm -hmm. you see in the indie world a lot you really really need to have a strong niche and if you're going to break off from that have a different pen name Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. And it's like, I get that from a, like a marketing sense, but that just sounds exhausting. Um, <laughs> to, like I know authors who run four or five pen names. So they could, and I was like, that just sounds exhausting to me and, and good for you if you can do it. But I look at authors like Denise Grover Swank, who is an indie author who writes in a wide variety of genres and she does really well in it. And she has done a good job, like I can read one of her books regardless of genre and feel her in the book like it's mm-hmm. definitely a denise book and i think that that's how you do it that's how you branch out like like i said i wrote this slasher and it is gory and it is intense and it has a lot of language which my young adult books do not have but it still very much has my voice and it's in you know third person which mm-hmm. my young adults are all in first like it's very mm-hmm. different but it still has my voice and i feel like that's how how you can branch across different genres because your voice is so uniquely yours yeah yeah absolutely and
0: uh, i know you probably talked about this in craft too but voice is one of those things that is not something that you notice in everybody's work it's uh, not something that's easy to to come by and develop because there's so much authenticity that goes into it and there are so many layers of that imposter syndrome that are like no oh think of this person um so yeah yeah
1: Yeah. that's that's something I hear a lot like I feel like my writing isn't elegant enough or it's not intelligent enough or you know I'm writing and and you know Neil Gaiman he just sounds so magical even when he's not writing magical stuff he just sounds so magical and it's like that's just Neil Gaiman. You listen to the man talk and he sounds right. magical. He's like, everything about his practice is so romantic. And like, he, that is very much, and you would never mistake a Neil Gaiman book for someone else. Like, it's just mm-hmm. who he is. Um, But I think where people don't find their own voice is when they are just starting to figure out who they are as a writer. And then they look at someone whose voice they admire and they're like, well, that's, you know, this person is so elegant and mine is not yeah. it's like okay for one more practice is what it takes to get there but also you don't have to be elegant yeah. you just have to have your authentic point of view and the way you write and that comes with practice and and another oh sorry yeah Go oh, go ahead go ahead
0: I was just gonna say not all readers want elegant yeah
1: or yeah. elegant all I'll, the time yeah some readers like they you get in the horror book groups and there are die hard readers who like to like punch you in the face pulpy horror there's Mm -hmm. nothing elegant about it but there's also readers in that group who really like the like jennifer mcmahon the slower more atmospheric horror that is horror but still very elegant like there's readers for everything um some people when they get really elegant prose will get bored and um and some people don't like Neil Gaiman's voice. That's weird to me, but there are people who are like, yeah. I just can't do it. I can't get into it. Um
0: I'm not one so- of those people. I really, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, play, I do too. <laughs> play Neil Gaiman in my classroom and like, yes. enjoy this. Um,
1: yes, I am also a lover <laughs> of his his voice, both his spoken word voice and his writing voice. Um yeah. but but there are people who don't. I've talked to people like I tried multiple of his books and I just can't do it. Um, and it just shows that like there is room for everyone and if you just keep going until you develop something you like not that you think is what other people will like you'll get there
0: yeah yeah thinking about Elmore Leonard you know uh, if you're going to go with someone who's not elegant uh and not to say that's not a a, a put down in any way but for someone who's just like terse prose hemiway yes. style crime-based when the character says something they say say there there are no you know fancy verbs for say they just said it yeah and, just and it. they said something else uh, that's totally fine too and there are those days where that hits just right so
1: i mean we were talking about stephen king earlier and <laughs> stephen king tommy knockers is probably a bad example because he was on so many drugs when he wrote that he said it was like he doesn't remember right Uh, but there's like half a page about all the foods that make this guy fart right and people (laughs) love stephen king like (laughs) you can't get much less elegant (laughs) true than that
0: Um, but but as a challenge i think it would be great in a workshop or something to say can you write about this elegantly that would (laughs) be fair enough that would be a challenge (laughs) (laughs)
1: That would be a good challenge. Um, But yeah, he's, he's often not elegant, but he's a phenomenal writer and he knows how to, he knows how to grab a reader and keep them. Um, And that's not always with elegance. And really, if you look at many books that are hugely popular, you could say the same thing, Um, which is not bashing on those books. Like a lot of people like make it sport to bash on Stephanie Meyer and Twilight right i don't care how they're written which are not super elegant i mean she's one of those rare overnight successes who that was like she started doing it um they're not super elegant but people loved them because she was able to make people care um and that worked
0: i'm also one of those people who really appreciates her book little known book I think it's little known. The chemist really enjoyed oh, the chemist. Me too! Yeah. I feel
1: like it just like came out and no one ever mm-hmm. talked about it. It went totally under the radar. I listened to it on audio and I thought it was delightful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife and I both read it and we were like, this is great. And then we never heard anything else about yeah. it. Um, because there were no vampires or yeah, uh, I think alien it was hosts or anything.
1: Really, Yeah, I think it was hard for her after having not single-handedly but had a huge part in exploding the YA category it was okay. hard for her to move out of the YA category yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because the chemist was fabulous I thought um, and well also done. it moved out of that paranormal space too which like okay. it was a big it was a big leap and I, I wish it got more love because um, I think even the people that that are really anti-Twilight I think there's stuff there for them to like in the chemist
0: oh yeah okay well and and with some streaming network i don't know who's doing it but um once the writer strike and the actor strike are um oh no settled in some way i hope um then there's supposed to be the twilight series tv series and so i'm hoping that stephanie meyer gets some nice oh, I had not attention seen that. yes yeah every everything that came out 10 years ago yeah. is now being revamped they have harry potter I'm hunger insane. games uh it's it's like that is true um and and this is part of getting older too but hopefully stephanie meyer will um have the chance to explore and do some things there as well but we have we have traveled far um we we have danced away from i'm going to hold it up one more time do you want to see if we can synchronize our books
1: yeah let me let me see which side i'm going to put this on here Okay. where am i okay
0: <laughs> ready yep here we go there it is Ta-da. oh and it disappeared for me here's disappears. It yes um so i won't yeah.
1: focus because it just wants my face there we go
0: <laughs> speaking of books have you read make the fireflies dance have you read Weirdly, that one?
1: i've read it a few times <laughs> yes
0: yep yeah. um so recommending that book and it is going in, in my classroom library and sharing it with folks and sharing it with my wife as well. And um wonderful. Thank, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll link the website, which should be popping up again about right now in the video. Somewhere. <laughs> and um yeah, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with
1: me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I had a ton of fun. Same. Same.